AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Well, the grain markets are easing lower into the end of the week. Sounds like most are expecting low-volume trade to continue through the end of the year. But as the markets cool, the scramble to keep the government funded heats up. We'll get our panel's take on that and a host of other issues on this morning's Free For All. From the final day of coverage for this week via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This morning, it's our Friday Marie for her. Panelists Jim Wiesmeyer, Sean Haney, and we welcome April Hemis. Right after the news, Jennifer Scheich from Farm Journal's Pork. I'm your handsome host, Davis Michelson. Welcome to AgriTalk, one and all. On this Friday morning, Chip is out for one more day. He'll be back on Monday, but the radio never stops, and neither do we. Happy to step in behind the big green leafy microphone of AgriTalk. Um, long list of things to talk about today. Defense spending bill Nix's vaccine mandate for troops. Jim just got back from the Milk Business Conference. The omnibus bill. I don't even, omnibus? What does that even mean? What's in the dark corners of this? USMCA members are meeting. Uh, I've got here it. Seems a little quiet in Ukraine. Do we keep pouring money into defending the country? I got to get the panel's take on the BRICS and the Petro One. China's pretty cozy with Saudi Arabia. Uh, flying taxis? I don't know. I can't get over this. Flying cars. Inflation numbers down, but credit card debt at a record high. How's the economy doing, according to our panel? Recession? Nah, couldn't be. Uh, oh, I saw April Hemis's name. I think I did show up on a uh, a USB list of state officials. I want to talk to April about that for sure. We're awfully glad to have her along with us. Uh, the Chinese North Dakota corn plant was okayed by a government oversight body. This is interesting. Meanwhile, South Dakota takes action to prevent something like that from happening in their state in the future. And global coal consumption expected to reach a record high in 2022. Wow. Lots to get to. Let's just go ahead and open up today's news. We're weaker than expected retail sales in November, pummeled market sentiment on Thursday, and raised the odds that the Federal Reserve's inflation-fighting interest rate hikes will push the economy into a recession. A Wall Street Journal article said most American voters think the economy will be in worse shape in 2023. U.S. ports are sending warning signals about trade flows in the new year. The first reports from gateways on both coasts suggest container imports turned sharply downward last month, while shipping executives say they are bracing for weak demand in the first part of 2023. Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack Thursday announced USDA will invest $285 million in critical infrastructure. The investment seeks to lower energy costs, expand access to clean energy for people across rural America, and, of course, as always, combat climate change. USDA is also making uh, an additional $300 million available under the Rural Energy for America program, including $250 million bucks through the Inflation Reduction Act to spur further investment. 
The U.S. Meat Export Federation released the October export numbers and pork reached a 16-month high. Courtney Nupp, vice president of the International Market Development with the National Pork Board, says they're excited about the released data, which shows pork's value increased 13% at $697.3 million. She had this to say. You know, we were predicting this in forecasts that we'd see pick up at the end of the year, and we sure have, especially in key markets like China, Hong Kong with variety meats. Mexico, once again, leading month for them. And we're seeing some pickup in the Asia, Southeast Asia region, which is key for us. So we're very excited. Mexico still leads the list for pork exports. But NUP said demand is building in other countries like South Korea. Offices of two top Senate ag leaders confirmed to the Washington Post they have received campaign funds from disgraced crypto firm FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried now under arrest in the Bahamas and facing extradition to the United States. The Post reports, quote, Senators Debbie Stabenow and John Bozeman confirmed their offices had donated or would donate the money they received from Bankman-Fried to charity. Stabenow recently chaired an ag committee hearing on FTX's collapse just two weeks before Bankman-Fried's arrest on eight criminal plus civil counts for mishandling billions and conspiring to violate campaign finance laws. The crisis created by FTX further confirms the need for a whole-of-government approach to regulating this market. The risks of trading crypto have have come into sharp focus in the past few weeks, but we have known about them for years. And another note, global coal consumption is expected to reach a record high in 2022, exceeding 8 billion tons for the first time and a 1.2% rise versus 2021, according to the International Energy Agency. India's demand is estimated to have risen by 7%, the European Union by 6%, and China by 0.4%, the agency said. Further, they expect coal consumption will remain at that level through 2025, in part on strong demand in emerging Asian economies. In a last-minute effort to get H-2A reform finished before Congress adjourns, Senator Michael Bennett, a Democrat from Colorado, and Representative Dan Newhouse, a Washington State Republican, introduced the Affordable and Secure Food Act Thursday. The legislation will reform the H-2A temporary ag worker program by expanding H-2A visas to year-round jobs for the first time, modernizing the application process, creating more wage certainty, and ensuring critical protections for farm workers. If they want to get that done yet this year, (laughs) they best hustle. Let's get to Jennifer Scheich from Farm Journal's Pork. Good morning, Jennifer. How are we? Doing good. How are you? Outstanding. Thank you very much. Um, You're finishing up on a, a story on the biggest questions facing the pork industry in 2023. You've got a series of them going here, but can you just outline some of the bullet points of this list for us? Sure. You know, I think that there are so many questions on everybody's mind as we as we leave a year that was full of a lot of ups and downs in the pork industry. I mean, there were some definite bright moments, but there were some challenges as well. And as we look ahead to 2023, I decided to just ask different people in various aspects of the industry what was on their mind. And of course, input costs and overall commodity prices weigh heavy on people. One of the other questions that kept coming up is where will the future growth in pork consumption come? Um, Is it going to be coming from demand domestically? Probably not. So how are we going to uh, increase demand around the world? 
Um, also, freedom to operate is another big one. I think with, you know, waiting news on Proposition 12 again, you know, I think there's a lot of questions on people's mind about how do we create an environment that allows producers to run their businesses the way they want to based on science and their knowledge of, of raising livestock. All right. Uh, that sounds like very important stuff looking ahead into 2023. Uh, mo- more immediately, what what do you what do you get a hog farmer for Christmas? <laughs> you know, I, I had someone reach out and say, thank you so much for sharing that list because I'm a procrastinating pig farmer. And I thought, you know, I'm a procrastinator too. <laughs> One of the things that caught my eye, and there's a story on pork business about it, is muddy pigs. It's crispy bacon covered in milk chocolate and dark oh, chocolate hello. swirls. Yeah. It looks pretty amazing. There's also a really cool microwave bacon cooker to help speed up that instant bacon in the morning. That's kind of fancy, too. But you can find all that on porkbusiness.com today. Jennifer Scheich from Farm Journal's Pork. Thank you for your words. Happy holidays. Yes, happy holidays to you. Thank you. All right, we are off and running. I've got the free-for-all. Looks like my guests are chambered and loaded up, ready to go. Lots to talk about. Thanks for joining us this morning on AgriTalk. It's your pal, Davis Michelson. We'll be right back after these words. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. AgriTalk is brought to you by NK Seeds, the fastest growing seed brand, getting you top hybrids and varieties that perform on your acre. NK Seeds, bushels don't lie. Welcome back to AgriTalk, everybody. Super psyched for our free-for-all this morning. We've got uh, two of the usual suspects, Jim Wiesmeyer, Pro Farmer OG. Mr. Wiesmeyer, good morning. Good morning. Back in D.C. after being in Kansas and uh, at the Milk Conference in Las Vegas. I'm anxious to hear what you what you found out, what some of those conversations were like. We've also got the Alberta breeze. I don't know if breeze is quite the right word. Uh, Sean Haney joins us. <laughs> hey, Davis. Yeah, I'm watching that storm. So this, I'm outside of this storm that has hit like the northern plains in Manitoba. It yeah. is. Uh, wow. If If you're. If you are listening to this show in North Dakota, you are settled in going nowhere today. Is basically every highway in that state they're yeah. advising no traffic. I saw that. I saw that. It's not uh, not too good a deal. And uh, of course, let's bring in April Hemis. April, good morning. Good morning. So I'm back from. Let's see, where have I been? Dubai, Pakistan, St. Well, yeah. Louis, and Ankeny, Iowa. Yeah. <laughs> We've been we've been trying to get you now for for a couple of weeks, and we always we always get the brush off. You're off uh, 
hobnobbing we were, and uh, gallivanting yeah, and whatnot. It sounds well, very exciting. I don't, know, I don't know about hobnobbing in Pakistan. A woman there, as a woman farmer who's used to be the queen of everything, uh-huh. I had a little bit of a problem, but I, I'm okay. So You're all right? <laughs> Yikes. I'm okay. I survived. I survived. Well, we're we're so happy to have you. I want to I want to start with you here because just earlier oh. this week, um, I had a conversation with uh, the newly elected chairperson of the United Soybean oh. Board, Megan Kaiser. Megan, lovely Kaiser. woman, great yes, ideas. Um, sounds like there's some great stuff going on. And then I scroll down the page on USB's website Ooh, and I see our own see? April Hemis. Talk to us about what, it's true. How do you show up on a list like that? Well, so I was elected to the executive committee and put in charge of the demand. So all of our demand, export, domestic, you know, all the projects we're doing for demand and soybeans. So I'm pretty excited about that. So you're you're the one who can pick up the phone and say, you know what, China, we need a little bit more demand. We could use a little support yeah. in these markets. Can you? Yes, could, I, ha- could, I have that power. Order, well, you have that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then when you had the... Um, we were talking about pork before and the demand and, you know, it's not going down in the U S it's kind of staying the same, but yeah. we need to value add that demand here and then export it out to China and Japan and all those countries we need to grow demand for. Well, and that was one of my main takeaways from um, chairperson Kaiser from Megan um, was yeah. it, you know, it's, it's not just a domestic effort by any means whatsoever. The United Soybean Board is reaching out all over the world in all sorts of different ways, and you are walking proof of that. Yeah. So, yeah, I get to, and that's what I always say are the best asset we have any board, any commodity board in the U.S. is the farmers. We go out there and tell people how we do things and what we do. And boy, do they, you know, because sustainability, yeah, I hate that S word too, but um, that has become a huge part of what the buyers are looking for around the world and we have the best story out there. So um, it's kind of exciting. And then with all the new demand for oil for renewable diesel and biodiesel, you know, it's projected we may have 30% more meal. So how do we use that up? Well, let's feed it to the pork and the chickens and export it. So, mm-hmm. you know, both domestic, it's just exciting times in agriculture, I think. Hey, hey Davis, can I Go jump ahead. in? Yeah. I'm curious what something that April said, the, because I hear it a lot from farmers in both the U.S. and Canada is, you know, hating the word sustainability. Has that ship not sailed? Like, why are we still having that discussion about whether or not we like or dislike the word? Why are we not spending more time focused on how do we use the interest in this word? Right. To our I, I agree with you. And that's what, uh, what that's what we talked about a lot in our meeting last week. And and the thing is, is a lot of the times the, I don't, I don't know how to put this, the people who don't think we're sustainable say, well, now you have to be regenerative. Well, what do you mean by that? And I'm, cause I'm like, well, I do all that cover crops and no-till and, you know, then they go, oh, okay. So I think as long as we're out there telling our story, you know, then we'll, and we'll get over the words used to define us. Well, and I think, you know, We've, we've talked about this before, Sean and, and April. Um, there's a lot of stuff that farmers have already been doing for quite a good long time that they learned from their fathers when they came into the business that would fall under that sustainability. You know, it, 
it's it's right. the old cliche the farmer is the first conservationist okay well we roll our eyes at that one too but it is a message that needs to be getting out there yeah and i always say everything starts on the farm no matter you know what you're talking so you know we just need to do a little bit better job of getting out there telling our story talking about it and i know everyone's rolling their eyes now yeah yeah we've heard that but yeah. you know it is true so yeah yep uh, Wiesmeyer, speaking of gallivanting, you've been doing a bit of gallivanting yourself. You mentioned a couple there, the Milk Business Conference. Uh, did you say something in Kansas you were doing? What have you been up uh, to? Yes, the MKC annual conference. I've done it like 11 years in a row, and I will tell you some of the rains they got in Kansas. I was in the Newton, uh, Kansas area, north of uh, Wichita. It was You could just tell the ebullience on the part of farmers to get any rain there. Yeah. The emulets, really? Yes. It was a, a fun meeting. I'm going to go to dictionary.com real quick. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing, you Davis. take the how, What's, what's That's the That's why I keep a... two computers around, so I can <laughs> Google big words people say. Well, what's, what's the vibe out there, Jim? The vibe is the weather patterns will change uh, next year to bring some more fronts coming across the U.S. and giving the plane some more precip, especially from midseason on. That was the number one point. And the second one, I'm going to be having a major story in the next few weeks, but a CHS uh, official was there and talked about uh, one of the best speeches I've heard probably in a decade. And he talked about uh, right now what CH CHS is doing and relative to digitization, artificial intelligence, the robots, the drones, in uh, seeing some uh, reductions in trucking costs uh, in the here and now of 60 to 70 uh, percent as a result of uh, driverless uh, trucks, et cetera, that are real. It's not pie in the sky. So yeah. uh, that's the industrialization coming back to agriculture. All right. Well, I like the sound of that. Industrialization wow. coming back to agriculture can't be yeah. a bad thing. Uh, some some improvements. Uh, Sean Haney, I don't imagine you've done much traveling south in the last couple of days anyway. Um, what's what's been on on your uh, agenda, your to do list? What do you what have you been up to? Yeah, I was actually home this week, which is uh, kind of feels different compared to the the prior month. Uh, yeah. Still, kind of decompressing some of the stuff that I heard at the Crop Life Canada meeting. Okay. Uh, we've had actually a, a lot of movement here as of late. A lot of discussions about fertilizer and fertilizer tariffs around mm -hmm. these parts. Davis, of course, Canada being the only country that has put tariffs on fertilizer coming out of Russia. Earlier this week, the Canadian government announced that they're going to give $115 million to Ukraine to restore the power grid in Kyiv. The issue is, is that $34.1 million of that is actually from the fertilizer tariff that farmers paid. And, and the biggest rub wow. here is yeah. the fact that yeah. a lot of this tariff was on fertilizer that was bought and paid for in the prior fall before the conflict started. It just hadn't been on a boat yet. And and that and so Josh Linville from Stonex, obviously a friend of this show, he mm -hmm. did a report for the Grain Farmers of Ontario called Farmers Need Fertilizer, just talking about how ineffective this sanction has been. And uh, we're waiting for the finance minister, Christia Freeland, to come up with further details where she said the work is ongoing and we'll have more to say soon in terms of co potential compensation for farmers for paying that tariff. So uh in Farmers Canadian, watching with high anticipation. 
Can you translate that out of Canadian political speech for us? Does that mean we don't have a yeah. plan yet? Thank Is that you. What that means? Yeah. yeah. We're, our, our, our ears are large and we're, we're hearing that there's uh-huh. a problem. And maybe we didn't think about some of the unattended consequences of what our policy was. And now we are trying to close the gap 12 months later. That's kind of what that means. Wow, we're hitting all the eye roll buzzwords today. We got we got uh, sustainability. We've got farmers are the first conservationists, and now we've got unintended consequences, dude. It's getting real already on the free for all. Oh, it's it, it's thicker out here in these parts. I'll tell you what. <laughs> well, and you you also wanted to mention some results from the Canadian Farmer Sentiment Index. Your your version of the uh, Ag Economy Barometer. Just generally, what does sentiments look like at this point? Yeah, we, we, we launched this this fall it's, uh, through our market research arm, Real Agri Studies. And the November sentiment index really shows, compared to September, because we do it every two months, farmers uh, feeling more optimistic about their current financial situation. Also, although still negative, more optimistic about their future financial uh, opportunities and a little bit more neutral now compared to September about the direction of the market. So uh, wow. definitely uh, very interesting. Outstanding. That's Sean Haney. I've also got April Hemis and Jim Wiesmeyer. We're going to pick Jim's brain on what's going, what is going on in Washington when we come back after these words. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. And joining us now, ProFarmer editor Brian Grady. Brian, the Soy Complex Watch, Soy Watch, continues. Meal is higher, oil under some pressure this morning. (laughs) Yeah, boy. Uh, I'd like to tell you that the uh, price action is pretty quiet, but uh, not necessarily the case uh, in the soy complex, like you mentioned. So soy meal futures trading uh, around $10 higher. So big, big gains there. The soy oil uh, market is under heavy pressure, more than 100 points lower. So a lot of spreading action going on in the uh, the soy product markets. Uh, soybeans, they've, they've traded both sides. They've favored the upside more than the downside, and they're currently uh, a little bit firmer, tune of about three to four cents in most of the contracts. Now, we've got uh, both wheat and corn under pressure. Are they uh, sort of in cahoots today? Yeah, uh, I think that you know neither market uh, facing heavy pressure by any means. Uh, you know, moderate selling pressure in HRW wheat, and, and that's kind of leading uh, that complex lower. But uh, um, corn is trading along with wheat, uh, though the the strength in meal and, and soybeans is somewhat limiting the uh, seller interest this morning. Well, the livestock market seemed pretty happy. 
uh, the hog market in particular. So, uh, you know, February hogs started the day, uh, or they finished yesterday, I should say, uh, below where the cash index is today. And, and uh, that's not the case anymore because that, that uh, contract is up $2.50. So uh, explosive gains there, uh, moving back to a premium in the front end of that market to the uh, the cash index. Uh, and the uh, cattle complex side of things, uh, cash cattle trade came in better than expected this week. So steadied up about a dollar, and uh, that's given some support to live cattle futures this morning. And we're seeing just a little bit of weakness in the WTI crude. That's Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady on Markets Now. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. We don't make the news, we render it. AgriTalk. Welcome back to AgriTalk, everybody. Your pal, Davis Michelson here. We've got Jim Wiesmeyer, Sean Haney, and April Hemis with us today. Um, Jim, lots going on in Washington. A big scramble to get things done before the end of the year update us please yeah well the scramble is they had a year to do it and of course as usual right? <laughs> just a, just a few days before christmas they will yeah. have an omnibus uh a spending bill for the fiscal year that began 20 uh that began october 1 this year uh the the good news for agriculture it looks like by the end of this week we should know for sure uh, whether the expected extension of the emergency relief program for 2022 uh, eligible crops and livestock will be in there. I think it will. And very important for the rice industry, it looks like a policy writer will include uh, northward of $300 million, probably close to $350 million in financial aid to the rice growers, perhaps even the millers, because they've been hit where they haven't had the relative price rise that corn, wheat, and other commodities have had, and they've been hit with very high urea prices. We've got a new defense spending bill, and of note, uh, it nixes a vaccine mandate for troops. Is that a, is that a signal that the Defense Department wants to uh, attract more soldiers or just that maybe uh, the vaccine mandates are the shine is off the vaccine mandate? Well, the shine is off, and this was directed at them. They didn't, uh, the State Department or the White House didn't initially push this. And it doesn't mean for the future either. I've been told that this is just relative to the current uh, COVID-19 vaccines, but, but it is a good development. Well, it needs to happen because I, I've heard a numerous uh, military analysts on different shows talk about how it's really impacting recruitment of people into the military. So it's not just people currently in service, but it's it, it's impacting the ability to recruit new people in because they've got this mandate. And while we're talking about vaccine mandates, the White House has still not changed the border policy on vaccines. So can it? So Canada back October first changed so that non-vaccinated Americans could come into Canada, which is great. Tourism, you know, things like that, commerce. The U.S. has not changed yet. So unvaccinated Canadians still cannot travel to the U.S., even by land. And, and that's having a dramatic impact on a lot of tourism. Border states that rely on Canadians wanting to go down and, and uh, spend their Canadian dollars that are 
doesn't really add up to many US dollars, but they love doing it anyway. Everybody loves a trip to Shields um, and, and they can't do it. And the White, the White House has got to change this. Uh, April, you brought up the border, but uh, in this case, it was the southern border. I don't know much about this. And Jim, maybe you can pipe in as well. Um, uh, all I saw was a headline, border collapse eminent, question mark. April, border collapse eminent in the south. Well, I don't know. I just have been reading so much about it. and But then you talk to farmers, especially produce farmers and yeah. farmers in the South that really rely on those H2A or the, you know, the, the people come and they go home for the winter and then they come back up. And so we, I mean, we have to have our labor, but yet we can't just open the floodgates as it as it almost looks like they're gonna so you know that's why I just wanted to get Jim's point of view and and others because I think I'm in the majority here where we need the farm labor but yet we need to do it responsibly Jim it's a fine line well yeah but this is why in my uh, speeches I'm hearing more and more talks about people saying the industry is moving ahead to get into some of the uh, t industrial uh, issues that I talked about earlier because they think what we have now is probably peak employment it's not going to get any better you know better so you have to use technology to uh, add quote labor and uh, I think that's clearly going on but there's going to be a period, though, of lack of productivity in the meantime, because a lot of those technologies that people are talking about, they're, they're, they're sort of here or not really yet. And so there's, and you there's need a the regulations of transition to go period. along with them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, need, because you're the, still, yeah, go ahead. As the White House says, transitions are tough. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's an understatement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Moving on. Yeah. Like, Self-driving semis are are, yeah. are are great, but, you know, there, there's, as April says, there's regulations to be sorted out that before that becomes uh, extremely commonplace. Let's talk yeah. about Mexico well, and, and GMO corn and USMCA. Um, Sean, it sounds like uh, Prime Minister Trudeau is uh, getting involved in a meeting in Washington between Biden and uh, Obrador. What do you make of the Mexico GMO corn situation? I, I don't know why they need Prime Minister Trudeau to help them solve the issue. That yeah. we're we're really grasping at straws at at this point. Um, yeah, I, I I guess we've talked about this before, but one of the confusing things about the USMCA agreement to this point is the resolution of disagreements like this was supposed to happen at a much faster rate. And it feels like it's everything that NAFTA was prior to this agreement being struck. And maybe that's being unfair and overly critical. Um, I, you know, I, I still maintain Mexico is just doing is doing nothing but playing domestic political games when it comes yep. to this. They really do need the corn. They know they need the corn. And he's he's playing to a certain component of, of, of voters uh, and his popularity. At the end of the day, I, I think that nothing changes, although it is concerning as he throws around the threats. Jim, is it possible uh, the Biden administration just needs Trudeau so that that there can be a some sort of a legitimization that, yes, this is a USMCA thing. This is a North America problem, not just a U.S.-Mexico problem. 
Well, that's what it was designed to do. We have a North American market, but let's cut to the chase. Uh, th this is AMLO's uh, recommendation, uh, uh, Mexico's president. Where does he come from? Mm -hmm. He comes from south of Mexico City. That's your uh, more traditional Mexico, and that's where most of the white corn is raised. So I think uh, Sean is spot on. This is simply politics for there. His term ends at the end of 2024. Uh, I think the, 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 would this remain any ban? Would it go through? I don't think so. But you still have to make them honest on this one. So of the yeah. 18 million tons of U.S. corn we sell Mexico, 18 to 20 percent is white corn. This will be settled through both ends. Our legitimate comments to Mexico that this is not in the spirit and technicality of the USMCA. And it's also poli pure politics on the part of AMLO. In, in, in this group of three needs to find a way to put us like they spend more time as three countries trying to figure what we don't agree on when it comes to trade. The U.S., Canada on dairy, the corn situation, U.S. and Mexico. Um, we need to start to function. We have this agreement. We are attached, uh, whether we like it or not, or however people feel about that. The reality is we got to start to work together. Yep. Because trade outside of our little block here can be more difficult at times. China is a, is a bad actor a lot of times. They play their games. Uh, India, if you didn't like dealing with China, India is even more of a, can be more of a disaster on uh, non-tariff trade barriers. We have each other at least, and we, we have to figure out how to leverage each other and work together as a block much more than we have previously, I think, in this this new kind of trading environment. 100% agree. We can't do more for agriculture than trade and working together. And then I was just sitting in on a meeting about this and that the Mexican president is, we were just told, is, is not budging on this. And, you know, he probably will, but you're right, it's pure politics. And it's very frustrating to a farmer out here go, knowing oh, probably a lot of my corn is exported to Mexico, gets on a train and heads down there. So, but working together, especially with Ukraine and Russia and everything like that, and the EU's a mess, we need to really get together on a lot of this. And, and, and let the administration know trade is very important to agriculture and we need more done. And I probably Agreed. shouldn't have said that, but I did. <laughs> <laughs> no, well said, well said. Uh, Jim, take us to water. Water Resources Development Act attached to the National Defense Authorization Act. Meanwhile, the Interior Department uh, is threatening California, Arizona, Navajo Nation, and other U.S. states reliant on the Colorado River. They're going to need some curbs, otherwise there'll be mandates. Oh, absolutely. Every time you fly, you know, go out west, you see uh, just uh, dr drought expanding. And uh, and as far as another year, it looks like in sight for California. And, you know, about a third of the meetings I tend west of the Mississippi is uh, water is about one th one third of the schedule, too, where they talk about the lack of water, the price of water, the regulations, et cetera. And that's evening happening in in uh, 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 northern Kansas when I was there on the waters bill. Uh, what's important is Water Resources Development Act is so important to our barge and waterways industry. And from a good perspective, uh, they'll have their shares of construction costs for uh, lock and dam 
items uh, uh, reduced to 35% from the uh, uh, treasury fund they tap instead of 50%, and that's permanently, and then 65% from the Inland Waterway Trust Fund. So that's very good news for the stability of the, of the waterway system. Well, and one hates to wish too much snow on the northern plains, the Rocky Mountains, but uh, that that may be just the prescription that the Colorado needs is a winter of big snows, get it recharged, get it refilled, and perhaps we can, uh, perhaps nature will respond to what's an ongoing and devastating drought for those who uh, rely on the Colorado River. Uh, the free-for-all is uh, almost coming to a close. We're going to go lightning round in the fourth and final segment with Wiesmeyer, Hemis, and Haney. It's your pal, Davis Michelson, and doggone it, I'm glad you've tuned in today. Stick around for just a little bit more right after these words. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. AgriTalk is brought to you by the NRCS Conservation Stewardship Program, which cost shares more than 150 practices on farms and ranches. Visit your local service center or farmers.gov today. Welcome back to AgriTalk, everybody. TikTok, TikTok on the final segment of the Free For All. Davis Michelson here. Before we get back to the uh, the panel, let's get today's yields in the fields. Yields in the Fields on AgriTalk is brought to you by Microessentials from Mosaic, the science of more. Discover our proven products. Text YIELDS to 31313. And Haney was in my head immediately with this. Uh, I don't know how he does it, but uh, North Dakota roads closed travel not advised today. Farmer says, I guess I won't be running beans to town for a bit. Yields in the Fields brought to you by Microessentials from Mosaic. Uh, let me let me bring back in uh, the panel: Jim Weissmeyer, April Hemis, and Sean Haney. Jim, uh, farm bill, farm bill, farm bill. Uh, new Congress writing a farm bill without the guidance of Pat Roberts. No guidance from Colin Peterson. Um, seems like U.S. Ag has a lot of education to do. With 254 congressional members never been involved in the writing of a farm bill. Yeah, then that's usually the case on it. But if they get bottom line priorities, they can get it done. Uh, the consensus here is that the Senate will reach a farm, new farm bill by the August recess, but the House, it's more of a hurdles because of the new leadership, more new members in the House, et cetera. But if the will is there, it can be done. Jim, is that a part of this, though, with the, the, with the vacancy that those gentlemen have left? They, they provided leadership. 
to uh, to keep it on the tracks, like even yeah. even in their own party, like where it's like, yeah, calm down. We're going to get this done. It's like, stop pushing like, you know, that 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 kind of leader. And so is there a chance here if we I'm assuming there's going to be a new crop of people step up and you know, hopefully it's the right people. Um, but if we don't, it, it really becomes a kind of rudderless and a lot of rhetoric uh, being spewed both ways. No. Well, yes, there always has to be leadership at the top, but frankly, the staff does most of the work, uh, the key staff. And uh, Debbie Stabenow has been through this process before. Although she has several new uh, staff members, they were picked for a reason. On the House side, they have very, very good experience. So uh, although most people are seeing a one-year extension of the current farm bill, which, by the way, wouldn't be all that bad, uh, others uh, say we have some pretty significant needs to to alter. So I, I think we're going to know within the first uh, three months or so whether or not this is going to be a sustainable product for next year. So Jim, do you think it'll be a fight because yeah, with the split, the House going Republican and the Senate being Democrat, will that well, be a problem? Well, it's usually a problem, but if they're listening to Americans, they're tired of it. Okay. And they want, exactly. they, they, Thank they you. want yeah. yes. And the <laughs> second one is uh, I know commodity groups don't like when I say this, but a farm bill could be relatively easy. Just give the Democrats most of what they want for food and nutrition, and then you can mm -hmm. settle a lot of other issues in a more amicable way. Jim, if they're listening to the American people, sounds like a pretty big if. Uh, well, that's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I hate uh, to be critical. <laughs> <laughs> well, as Clayton Yider told me years ago, you're not going to have civility in Washington again until we have a true minority party uh, that cannot come back into power the next election. And we're not there yet. By doing that, you have to get along to get anything done. So I think we're a few elections away from that, but I think it's coming. Inflation numbers down, but credit card debt at a record high recession. What recession, Jim? Uh, well, you won't have a recession after the fourth quarter is going to have a relatively good G, uh, 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 gross domestic product number. But after that, I don't I think it's going to be very hard to uh, not get into a U.S. recession, which, by the way, will probably be sucked into from the world downturn yep. in the economies, uh, yep. not so much ours. We're we're OK, but we're going to be sucked into the mm. uh, uh, recession, uh, uh, you know, battles ahead. But it's key for country, you know, some of these other countries that we're watching what happens in the U.S. Because, you know, when you you have the flu, we get a cold like it's it's yeah. they're very related. And so with the U.S. being the largest economy in the world, I think it's it's everybody's watching the U.S. and saying, please, you know, let's hopefully this isn't some sort of recession with major, major depth because it's going to impact us for sure. Well, and that's what all the speakers I've been hearing lately is yeah we might have them but it's not going to be as bad it's not going to be doom and gloom you know it they keep raising the interest rates and you know we'll get through this it'll be okay it's kind of what i've been hearing jim quickly uh chinese north dakota corn processing plant okayed by an oversight body in south dakota quick to step in and say yeah no we're we're not doing that 
well, the investigators better do their work. Like you said, uh, on the South Dakota side, they're going a completely different route, and they're now wanting a state version of what we call the CFIUS. Bottom line, with the way relations are going between the U.S. and China, where China is increasing in power and in some dastardly ways, uh, uh, I wouldn't have them buy ground around any airport because that's mm. where it's a drone city. I, I think it was a mistake. Yeah. Back to the eye roll file. One of the problems with the uh, the climate stuff is the idea that there are those in this world who are not going to adhere to green policies. Global coal consumption expected to reach a record high in 2022, exceeding 8 billion tons. Sean Haney, I'm going to throw it to you. Sorry, what's that, Davis? Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm saying Sorry. Uh, the, the green movement hampered by uh, record coal consumption. I mean, uh, we're oh. working hard, both in Canada and the U.S., and China's just building as many coal plants as they can build. Well, this is the sort of bait and switch. This is the criticism that everybody is sorry about that. This is the criticism that everybody has had towards this is that China and India, for that matter, this is the game that they they sort of play. You know, we're on the sustainability movement. Then people you hear somebody domestically speaking like, you know, China's doing it. Why aren't we doing it? It's like it's the bait and switch. And and we continue to fall for some of this stuff. April Hemis, I'm going to give you the last word. Speak to farmers, speak to soybean producers. What do you want? uh, What do you want to say? Oh, I thought you were going to ask what I wanted for Christmas, and you know. Oh well, what would you like for Christmas? <laughs> I would, I would say somebody <laughs> to pay my tax bill this next year. That would oh, be really sorry. nice. <laughs> sorry, can't help you there. Santa's got tax troubles of his own. He can't help. That's Darn. April Hemis, uh, and uh, we've also got Jim Weismeyer from Pro Farmer and Sean Haney from Real Ag Radio. Thank you so much for tuning into the free for all. Thank you to our panelists. We appreciate you all. A lively discussion this morning. I love it. Tune in this afternoon at 2.06 Central. We've got Steve Georgie from Allendale, and I'll have one more swing behind the big green leafy microphone of Agritalk before Chip returns on Monday. It's your pal, Davis Michelson. We'll talk to you this afternoon.